I have only one objective tonight in preaching, and that is for you who are not Christians, I am going to earnestly labor for your soul this evening. I'm seeking to win you tonight, this evening. Not tomorrow, not next week, not a year from now, but tonight, right now, tonight, this evening. God help me with this task. We're opening the scriptures in expectation tonight. We're looking to the Lord. We don't know what the Lord will do. We never do in this service. But I have, again, one objective. I want to take one verse of Scripture this evening. I want you to turn if you have your Bibles. It's taken from the Lord's famous parable concerning the sower and the seed and the different effects of the Word of God in people's lives. And he has four categories of hearers or responders, as it were, to to the truth. And we're going to focus in on verse 5 and then the interpretation of verse 5 in verse 12. The parable without interpretation or in comment says, A sower went out to sow his seed. This is in Luke 8. Did I not announce it? Luke 8. Excuse me. Luke 8, verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And it was trodden down. It's good seed. It is the same seed that has the good effect of verse 8. It's the same seed. It's the same truth. But in this case, it is trodden down. The good seed. And the fowls of the air devoured it. Now, of course, these people were familiar with sowing uh, seed at random, broadcasting seed as it were. And it just made logical sense to them, the fact that as you're scattering the seed, some of the seed uh, doesn't make it, as it were, into the good ground or any ground at all. In fact, fell by the wayside. Now Jesus gives us this the interpretation of the parable. This is wonderful that He does. And this is, I think, of all the parables, this is one of the most significant in the Scriptures. And he gives us in verse 11 and 12 these words. Now the parable is this, the seed is the Word of God. Those by the wayside are they. Now the wayside wasn't mentioned that it was people in verse Five, but he said the wayside is 
people. They. It's people that's got eyes and ears and can hear. And notice he says, they hear. They hear the word. They hear the preaching of the word. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts. And notice what happens as a result. Lest they should believe and be saved. Now, it is implied here that if it wasn't for this successful and effectual work of the devil, that they would be saved. Is that not what I read in here? Lest they should believe and be saved. The Lord Jesus gives credit where credit is due. And in the case of multitudes and multitudes of damnation, He lays the charge and the reason why people are damned in unbelief as being a result of the direct work of a personal devil. And that's what I want to speak to you tonight. Then comes the devil. I want to be a Micaiah. Do you remember the story in the Old Testament in 1 Kings 22 of the good prophet Micaiah who Ahab didn't like? God had held a council in heaven and had determined that he was going to destroy Ahab. He was tired of fooling with him. He had been patient with Ahab, but Ahab had persisted so long in sin that God was fed up with him. And so the Lord decided that he would destroy Ahab and have, and he had this counsel that took place in heaven and he said, as the angels and the various spirits in the story was gathered, and we know, we know this because this is what Micaiah said that the Lord showed him. That the Lord said to the council that was gathered, and He's Lord over every spirit, but the Lord Jesus Christ does not have a devil in this world that is out of His control. He controls all devils. Hallelujah! Now that doesn't mean that He likes the work of the devil, and it doesn't mean that the devil is not as uh, all that He is. But he controls the devil. And there was the statement made by the Lord, Who shall go and cause Ahab to fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And, the, and one suggestion came from over here, and another suggestion came from over there. And then finally there was a spirit in the mix that said, I will persuade him to go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead. And the Lord said, How will you do this? And he said, the Spirit said, I will go and be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And I will persuade Ahab to believe that he is hearing the word of the Lord when all he's hearing is a lie. And I'll persuade him. And the Lord, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing it, the Lord says, that sounds good to me. 
Go and do it. Now, is God a God of sovereignty over men's souls? Does He believe in sovereignty? So the Lord had sent this lying spirit. And you know, the uh, prophets, the false prophets were around Ahab saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and fight this battle. The Lord is going to give you the victory. You remember Jehoshaphat was a little concerned about it. And, um, and I don't want to draw this illustration out, but the Lord had ordained as it was and purpose that Ahab should be killed. And then look at this. He turned right around and sent Ahab a prophet to tell him exactly what was happening to him and urge him not to do it, not to go up. Now, is God a God of sovereignty or is he a God of, that believes in human responsibility? Did Ahab any, have any choice in this matter? In fact, while they were dragging him off to jail, he said, listen up, folks. I'm warning you, Ahab. Don't go. Don't go. If you go up to Ramoth Gilead, you're going to die. Hearken all you people. I want to be a Micaiah tonight. To you that are not Christians. And I want to, as it were, show you how reasonable it is that you believe. In fact, salvation by faith in Christ is so logical, so right, so reasonable, so sensible, so suited for your need, that there has to be some reason why anyone, any soul, would continue lost. I mean, really, think about it, beloved. Why is it that people are jeopardizing the, their immortal soul by rejecting the gospel and not coming to Christ. You that are not Christians, you ought to already been to Christ. You ought to already have repented. You ought to already have believed. Why is it? You ought to believe. The glories of the gospel message are so great and the truth of the Lord is so compelling that it's strange. Isn't it strange? When it's the greatest need that we have. And it's, I mean, it's, it's so precious. It's so wonderful, the gospel. Why would anybody turn down its gracious terms? I mean, jeopardizing your soul for, listen, hell is no joke. It's almost incomprehensible, the fact that God has told us what He's going to do with those who die in their sins. That He is going to put them in a pit of darkness. And He's going to punish them in eternal fire forever and ever and ever. That's scary. It's frightening. It's awesome to die and be shut away from God and to be lost forever where there's no hope and there's nothing but pain and weeping and gnashing and wailing. To be cut off from God. And to think, as you're there forever in hell, you have no one to blame. You will not be able to blame sovereignty. You will not be able to blame the preacher. 
You will not be able to blame anyone but yourself. Because if you would, if you wanted to, you could be saved. There is none of you tonight that God wouldn't save if you wanted to be saved. Why do people trod underfoot the Son of God? In Revelation 20, you have a mini-picture of the epic struggle, I believe. What many people believe is the teaching concerning the millennial reign. I believe it's a really a mini-picture, a, a picture of the struggle that is happening all during the age, all during the church age, all during the age of the mountain of the Lord. I believe that there is both a binding of Satan in the case of God's elect, there's no one who would escape this terrible grip and bondage of the strong man were it not the fact that a stronger than he binds him. And so you have a picture of Satan being bound, which results in the salvation of the elect. And you have another dreadful picture of Satan being loosed. Loosed. And those that are loosed are deceived. And those that are deceived become enemies of God. And so he's loosed with deadly results. And this, of course, concerns the non-elect. Now the critical issue and question for you that are lost, will you, will you be one on whom Satan is loosed? Who, whose work in your life, Satan's work, will be effectual. He will have accomplished his malicious, diabolical design to take you to hell. He's a murderer. He's a killer. In fact, Jesus giving him a character description in John 8, 44. He was relating the fact they were calling Jesus a liar and they were not believing on Christ. He said, I'm not a liar, I'm telling you the truth. But he, he gives some characteristics of Satan and he says, listen to this, he was a murderer from the beginning. He's never had a good career. From the very beginning he was a murderer and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. And listen to this, when he speaketh a lie, Satan is not silent. Satan is a speaker. He's a talker. He's a smooth talker. He talks to you. Especially you that are in unbelief. And the scripture says, when he speaketh, he speaks a lie. And he's speaking of his own, for he is, listen to this, he is a liar. And the father of it. So, Satan is a liar. Now, Satan's work in large degree is predictable. His methods vary little. He has one supreme objective. And that is to keep you away from salvation. To keep you away from Christ. The scripture says that he's one that when the word goes forth, he's there. In fact, the scripture says, then comes. We can always expect it. Charles, you preach from week to week and you have lost people 
who are here before you preach. And as you preach, they're not converted and they go out lost people. Why is that? Why have they not been a, why not have they not been one? Because of this factor. Then cometh the devil. The devil comes. And the devil deceives. In fact, the scripture teaches in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that all prolonged unbelief, that is, if you're in an atmosphere where the gospel is preached and you're under the truth, the reason why you can go on from week to week and month to month and year to year and not be saved is because the God of this world is working effectually in your mind. Listen to the scripture. But if our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded, notice where he works, in the mind, blinded the mind, blinded the mind of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now tonight I would like to unmask some of the techniques and lies used of the devil to take the word out of your heart and keep you in unbelief. And in many of you, these things have been working up to this point. These lies have been believed by you. And so let me tonight, if you will, permit me to play the devil. To teach you that he is not playing He's deadly serious. He's a personality. He's an entity. He is not weak. He is powerful. And woe to you, woe to you, if you go along with Him. If you continue with Him. So I would like to disclose some of these techniques. First of all, I would not disclose my true identity or power or purpose to any whom I'm deceiving. I would disguise myself so that the poor lost sinner has no clue as to really what's happening to him or who it is and what it is that is keeping him from turning to the Lord. That's the first thing. That would be my first technique. I would never let you know, I would never come to you when you're sitting under the gospel and you're not saved, and you leave unsaved, I would never come to your ear and say to you audibly, I'm the devil, and you just listen to me. He doesn't do that. He never says outright to you. He's a disguise. You see, he's a deceiver. He's a liar. And he never, in fact, he really rarely shows his true colors. So this is my first technique. I would not disclose the fact that the real reason you're not saved is the fact that the devil has thus far robbed you and kept you from Christ. It's true. Does that make any sense to you that are not a Christian? That it's the devil 
And He has been allowed and loosed to this point to keep you. In fact, the devil never appears to people as he really is or even real at all. (laughs) He's that cool dude that causes you to question everything the preacher is saying. And then tell you how smart you are. He takes millions to hell. Millions to their grave in unbelief. Never either believing in God or Him. It's diabolical. But it works. He disguises. If you leave unsaved tonight, you're walking out with the devil. If you're not a Christian, when the gospel of the Lord Jesus and you have opportunity to repent and come to the Lord and cast yourself and find mercy, God has mercy for sinners. He's not willing that you should perish. He gave His Son and smote Him with a stroke of justice so that you could be forgiven. And you won't have Him. Yes. I would disguise myself and never tell you the real reason why you are not saved is my work. The next thing I would do is to make everything in the Bible, everything the witness has to say, fuzzy. Cloudy, confusing, complicated. So the poor lost sinner shall never see how simple, really, the gospel invitation is. And that you do not have to have a theological education or understand in detail the doctrines of grace to be saved. All you need basically to understand is that you're lost and going to hell and you need Jesus. You need salvation. You need to repent. Jesus' message was plain and clear. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. But this is the devil's business to keep you from looking. Look unto me, God says. Look unto me. And be you saved. Look my way. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look who I am. Look at me. Look to me. Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved. For I am God and there is none else. But it's my business as the devil to keep you from simply looking to God. To befuddle and muddy the mind toward gospel realities. Hath God said? Is one of my favorite lines. It's worked for years. Oh, that Bible is just written by men. That's enough to take thousands away. It has. I would point to all the conflicting interpretations and teachings and doctrines of different religions in the world. It's all of them claiming to be true. How can we know what is true? This church says they're right. This church says they're right. All of these conflicting religions claiming to be true. I would point these out to the sinner to say, you really can't know the truth. It don't really matter. Just as all rivers lead to the ocean, so all religions ultimately will lead to God. 
I'd do that to ruin you. I would show you the great inconsistencies and failures of Christians. While you're sitting under the preaching of the gospel, I would bring to your mind some failure of someone you know to be a Christian or professes to be a Christian and I would hold up and I would look at, I would have you to look at their inconsistency or their fall or their failure and I would show you, see, it really doesn't work. There's nothing to it. I would make you think that this thing of Christianity is just a sham. It's just a matter of personal preference. Thirdly, if they still continue to hear the Word, such as if their children and their parents are still bringing them to church, I would keep their mind while the Word is being preached on the physical and visible things of this world. The glitter, the glamour, the excitement, the pleasures that are found in sin in the world. I would keep them thinking about things that millions and millions of souls have opted to choose and have in life other than have eternal life. Never mind, I would not tell you that the things of this world are soon to be gone and the world and everything in it is going to pass away. I would make you think that the most important thing is having money or having fame or having health or having a happy life or having having this material possession or this particular status in life. It's only failed in one case. There's only been one man that trod upon this earth that didn't go for this bait. When I said to him, all these things will I give thee. He said, no. Everybody else. Everybody else will say yes if they too are not delivered from my power. The pleasures of sin are for a season. I would not tell you that the pathway of sin will ever turn bitter and sour, <clears throat> sapping all the life and joy and meaning out of your existence. I would never tell you that. You see, I'm the father of lies. The next thing, the fourth thing I would do is to whisper into your mind as the word is being preached all sorts of vain and silly things to think about. I have the power to come into your mind and cause you to daydream while the word is being preached. I can hypnotize your mind with all manner of distractions. I like it. I like while the serious things of God are being set before your soul and you're being urged to repent of your sins. I like distracting your mind on silly things. Worthless things. I like using earthly objects. Like dogs or cats or animals or insects or cows or horses. Or the rain or the weather or bicycles or cars, or playtime, or schoolwork, or siblings, or grandparents, or shopping, or clothes, or money. There's no end to the images that I can bring to your mind for you to think about while the gospel is being preached. Thinking about vain things. Thinking about the things that are to pass away. There's no end to the images. 
that I can set before your mind to take your heart and soul away from what is being said. Fifthly, I would make him or her sleepy. You see, church is a wonderful place to rest and to relax the mind. There's nothing so easy or effective for me as to make you sleepy as the Word goes forth. You see, I would never tell you that I'm the one that's responsible. Isn't it amazing how bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and how alert you can be before the service? But when the service starts and the preaching starts, how dull, how boring, how sluggish, how sleepy. This wave of sleepiness that rolls over you when the Word is being preached and eternal things are being exposed. I'm the one that does it. Make you sleepy. Sleep on, my boy. You can't hear when you're sleeping. You can't listen when you're sleeping. You can't repent and believe while you're sleeping. You'll have plenty of time to be awake later. Just don't be awake now. One of these days, you'll be awake both day and night. But not now. I want you to sleep. Go to sleep. Sleep on. While the Word is being preached. Sixthly, if they do stay awake and hear... If something the preacher says startles them, that scares them, that alarms them, then I rush in to keep them busy. I rush in as soon as they've heard that startling word to cause them to leave the church and be busy. To keep them from thinking about that startling word. He's got lots of devices to use to keep you busy. After you hear the word, especially one of his favorite devices is television, books, telephone, stereo, toys, friends coming over, your computer, food, pets. God help me to not let you get alone and be quiet for a while and think about what you've heard. Got to get you busy. Thinking is the most dangerous activity and it seems it always happens to those whom I lose to the Father. They always seem to start thinking. So I've got to keep you busy. Distracted. So you won't think. Next, seventhly, if they start thinking about life, death, judgment, I come in with a proposition. I come in with one of my favorite lines. Yes, salvation is real. Yes, there is a heaven. Yes, there is a hell. I'll concede that. You can be saved at a later time. 
Many times the devil has to concede to minds that there is a God and that the Bible is true. That heaven and hell is real, real. But the devil has found that he doesn't necessarily lose just by conceding the fact to a mind that, yes, there is a God. Yes, the Bible is real and true. And yes, there is a heaven and a hell. But all the devil needs to do is to get you to procrastinate one day at a time. Later is okay. Oh, you me say, you me saved. Did you ever hear that lie, you that are Christians? Did you ever hear that lie when you were lost? I heard it often. When the Lord started dealing with me, there was something saying to me, Well, you can be saved later. Later. Just not now. Not today. It causes me to lie to think how many people have come to a quick and godless end. And they wake up to the bitter reality that there are no more todays. There are no more tomorrows. I found this lie to be very pleasing to those that are getting serious about being saved. God can be found later if you want Him. You can repent tomorrow if you must. A later time will be better than now. Not today, not now. And if they go for this lie... I found that it gets easier and easier for them to put off salvation. And my hopes is that if you are not saved today, that those strong feelings will fade. That distinct voice will silence. That conviction by the Holy Spirit will be taken away. And death will come in and decide the issue for you forever. Not today. Not now. There's an old song that we used to sing in our Baptist churches when I was growing up. Oh, it was an invitation type hymn. Oh, why, do you remember it? Oh, why not tonight? Oh, why not tonight? Will thou be saved? Then why? Give me a reason, you that are not Christian. You be saved tonight. Is there not a Savior? Is there not an invitation? Is there not a willingness in God to receive you? Are not you commanded to repent? Why? Give me a reason why. Is it because you're believing the lie? Number eight, if they still are stirred up about being lost, I would bombard their mind with the notion that they cannot be saved. They're too sinful. You can't be saved because you're not chosen. I use that lie. I turn every truth to my advantage. So the, you've heard about election and predestination. I tell you that you're not predestined to be saved. You're not chosen. Salvation possibly cannot possibly happen to you. It's not meant for you to be saved. Others, yes, but not you. You see, Christ has left you out. Now, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come. 
Jesus said, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise. What? Cast out. I say you can't come. I say that you're left out. In fact, you've probably sinned the unpardonable sin. You're locked in. You can never switch sides. And you see, if the devil can get you to make, if he can get you to believe this, that you, you can't be saved, you're not going to be saved. He doesn't have to do anything else. I'm seeking to tell you tonight, you can be saved. If you will. You can come. God is not kicking you in the teeth and telling you to stay away. The Spirit and the Bride. We've got a lot of the Bride here. We've got a lot of Mountain of the Lord's house here tonight, Dick. What do we say to these people? Brother Charles? Come! Come join us! We're on our way to heaven. We were once lost like you. We were once in our sins. We were once deceived by the devil. We were once becoming harder and harder, but we came. We came and found Jesus willing to receive us. And we invite you, come along with us. Come along. Join us. Join us. Don't be left out. Don't say no. Well, was old Pharaoh didn't want the children of Israel to leave. And he said, leave, leave somebody here with me. Moses' response said, not a hoof shall be left behind. We're taking them all out. Ever, we're, we're taking not only of all of our sons and daughters, our grandfathers and grandmothers, we're taking every animal and every hoof that's on the animal, everything going out. It's the devil that don't want you to go out. God calls you. Well, finally, there is the final and the t- last total distortion of reality. After successful days of lying, confusion, excuse making, putting it off, procrastinating, hardening your heart, I would get you accustomed to the idea that you are actually going to be lost, you're going to hell, but it's no big deal. I would really distort reality to you. I, at the last, would get sinners to believe that hell is a sort of heaven. And heaven is a hell. That they must be so numb to reality that they finish out this life in sin and unbelief. How many have you heard voice this? Well, I know I'm lost and going to hell, but me and my buddy, we're going to have a good time down there. Where did I hear that? Yeah, complete distortion of reality. Beguilement at its fullest. They must not fear hell and what happens there. You must, in fact, continue to choose it. And every day you go without Jesus, you're saying, I choose hell 
I choose hell. You must continue to choose it till one day it's too late to change your mind about it. And one day you'll be awakened to reality, but it'll be too late. And let me say on behalf of the devil tonight to you, do you want me to continue to be loosed upon you? Do you want to continue to participate with me in this little game of saying no to the Lord and rejecting Christ, trodding underfoot the gospel? You want to do that? Because you see, that's, that's what happens, Jesus says. It's sad, but it does happen. Wish that it didn't, but it does. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. Oh, may he be bound tonight in your life. May Jesus be pleased to bind him so that you this evening can make your way out of your sin, out of your unbelief, out of your deception, and be saved now. You can be saved now. What will it be? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given us all aspects of truth in your word. You've not only told us the reasons why we who are Christians are Christians, you've told us the reason why those that are not Christians continue in unbelief. We thank You, Father, for telling us the truth. We thank You, Heavenly Father, that all spirits and powers and principalities are under Your control. And Lord, tonight it lies within Your great power to bind the strong man who's so far been successful in suppressing the truth, distracting the mind, diverting the tension away from coming to Christ. Father, Draw them to Yourself this evening. We know Thy doors are open wide. We know, as we said last night, You are waiting to receive the prodigal home. Lord, may some make their way to You this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.